Welcome back to More Than Running with Dana. I'm your host, Dana Giordano, and I'm so excited to introduce my teammate, Erica Kemp. Erica and I are both on the Boston Athletic Association's high performance team, and we're currently training down at Tallahassee, Florida for some warm weather training camp COVID style. Erica is the U.S. 15K champ in 2019, and in her first season as pro, she also got second at the U.S. 5K champs in 2018, so a pretty banger first year. Erica is a formally trained barista. She hails from NC State in New Jersey and has some very interesting perspectives of how she views training, how she wants to improve, and her goals for the future. Enjoy this candid conversation between me and my teammates, and hopefully you can get an inside look of what training camp is like and how we keep ourselves entertained. Enjoy. All right. Welcome back to More Than Running with Dana. I'm your host, Dana Giordano, and I'm here with my teammate, Erica Kemp. Welcome, Erica. Thanks for having me. Erica and I are currently sitting in our pretty teeny Airbnb in Tallahassee, Florida for a warm weather training camp. And we just wanted to come on here and talk a little about training camps and some more than running things of what we do when we're in a very small home for a month. (laughs) So I think the best way to start with Erica is her fun fact is that she's a formally trained barista. So Erica, let's Let's go back into that. We'll get into your running a little bit. Um, Erica graduated from NC State, joined the BAA in 2018. Yeah. And throughout the time you've been on the team, you have worked at two coffee shops in Boston, Blue State Coffee and now Tate Bakery, mm-hmm. and coffee shop in uh, Raleigh as well. So it seems like coffee and running do go well together. What do you say to that? <laughs> they go very well together. And I always thought it was just so funny how much runners love coffee. And I'm not quite sure if it's, like, the culture around getting a coffee, like, before or after a big run or a big race because it's, like, warm and comforting or if it's just purely because it's, like, a legal performance enhancer. Mm -hmm. But either way, coffee and running are definitely, like, a wonderful pair. But I started in coffee going into my fifth year at State because I was hurt and it was the worst injury I've ever had. I had... A stress fracture in my knee that kind of came out of the blue over the summer. I was running in Forest Park with a friend out in Portland, Oregon, coming down a downhill, took a hard step, and the next day my knee hurt, and I didn't really know why. So then I (laughs) called my college coach, and we texted the trainer and told him how it felt, and he was like, oh, you probably tore your meniscus. Mm -hmm. So, like... The only option would be surgery, but like surgery super easy and you're back to running in four weeks. So we'll just do surgery when you get back to campus after we get a scan. Get back to campus a month later after like working a running camp and walking and running because they were like, you're not going to make it worse. Turns out it was not a meniscus. It was a stress fracture and there was no one knew how or why I got it, but the prognosis was 16 weeks off of running. Mm. So I went into my fifth year with this magical plan of having the best fall of my life and mm-hmm. crushing. As we do, as we yeah. do. And then, yeah, I had four months to kill and only a couple classes on my schedule. So I thought about what I liked and what I wanted to learn about. And there is a small specialty coffee shop right across from campus. I met with the owner. I had zero barista experience, but he loved coffee. It also happened to be a wine bar. 
<laughs> helpful. <laughs> I loved wine, still do. Um, yeah, and he gave me a chance and just like shared his passion and his knowledge and never looked back. I love that. It's very funny how people find their side hobbies. And I think people ask us all the time, like, well, what do you do outside of running? And I think the hardest part for me is like a lot of the time you are tired. And the thing about coffee is that you get the caffeine. <laughs> so when you're working in the coffee shop, I, I just have always wondered, how much do you, coffee do you drink when you're there? So it depends on what shift I'm working. So when I started out in college, we practiced in the afternoon. So I would work morning shifts. And on a morning shift, I would probably drink two to three, three very small cups or two like medium cups of coffee. I would make a cappuccino at open at 7 a.m. because it was just nice and quiet and amazing. And then I would have like a regular coffee or a shot of espresso before I went to practice. But now since we practice in the morning, since I moved to Boston, I work in the evening. So mm -hmm. I limit myself to just one really good cup early on in my shift, like 2, 3 p.m. and then try to cut it off. Sorry, Erin. She told me not to have coffee after noon. Oh, yeah. Erin is our shared dietitian friend who, you know, guru as well. <laughs> She's been on the podcast, so shout out to Erin Kinney. The other thing I wanted to talk about in this very informal coffee chat with you, you do not have a cup of coffee, but I do, so it's now a <laughs> coffee chat, is this is our third training camp together and your fourth camp with the team. Yes. So what is training camp? You know, I want to answer the questions for my listeners of the things that I wanted to know when I was in college and high school. So what the heck is training camp and why are we here? Training camp is weird because um, you don't have much to do, but you come into a training camp usually four to six weeks. Um, for us coming from a really cold place, it's either warm weather or altitude, depending on where you started. And you come in with a very specific goal, you have your races in mind after the camp, and you know what you're there to do, but then you get there and there's not really a whole lot to do because you can only train so many hours a day, mm -hmm. and it's running, it's not like swimming or cycling where you're doing hours and hours a day. Like you have one, maybe two sessions if you double, but even the double is only like 30 minutes. So you have like seven hours a day to kill. And I think that was one of the toughest things for me on my first camp mm -hmm. was just like, what do I do? We like show up to practice and have a normal practice like we would at home. And then I don't go work at the coffee shop and mm -hmm. I don't get to see like my people in Boston and everyone else I know has like work mm -hmm. or like is in another part of the country doing their training camp. And you're like, just how do I fill the space? Mm -hmm. So I think training camp is odd it definitely is like a very I don't know yeah I had a very funny experience because so I went to Dartmouth mm -hmm. at college and we did our spring break trip which was two weeks in your home turf in Raleigh North Carolina mm -hmm. and our men's team loved it they were like this is the best two weeks of the year we're training like professionals and I had so much anxiety about being there. I didn't really like it. I was, I'm so bored. There's nothing else to do. And now looking at it, almost five years graduating from college and being like, no, this is the profession that I chose that has <laughs> this time of year. It's just really funny to me. But I think that this being my, my third camp too, like, yeah, those first camps, you have a lot of like anxiety of, I should be doing something. Mm -hmm. 
And when your job is just resetting and relaxing and being ready for the next run, it can get pretty road and mentally challenging. So what are some of the strategies that you personally use to like mentally, you know, live every day with intention while you're at camp because we're here for a purpose? Right. Um, I think one of the things that I've definitely done since my first camp is reading is huge for me because when I'm home, I like have all these books. I go to our local bookstore, which is amazing, and I get a new book, and then I just never read it because we're busy and we're tired. And then it feels like there's a lot less of an excuse not to read on a training trip just because we have all those hours. So like first trip, didn't bring a book. Second trip, brought a book, didn't read it. Mm -hmm. Third trip, brought a book, read part of it, called it a day. So trip number four, we're like already doing way better. Yeah, Erica did a hardcore move and didn't even bring her computer to camp. Huge. Which is intense. Yeah. I don't think I could do that. I mean, I'm literally sitting here recording with my computer. I'm probably on my phone most of the day. (laughs) (laughs) My screen time, I don't even want to look at it. Right. I just like... It was a really weird move, but I, like, had the intention of, like, finishing a full book in a month mm-hmm. without watching TV. Yeah. Um, I still watch TV at night on my tiny little phone. But still, <laughs> I, like, forced myself to do something. But I think the other part of it and just, like, getting a little older is realizing how many hours it does take to recover. And that's mm-hmm. literally why we come to camp. We come to camp to, like, create this space that's all about training and all about getting better, and so much about, like, improving and, like, making that next big jump is, like, letting your training sink in. And if you're, like, constantly on the go, if you're constantly on your feet and, like, doing things, you're not letting your training absorb into your body. Mm -hmm. But that's a hard thing to just sit with because, like, if you just sit on the couch for three hours, you feel like you just wasted time to Mm -hmm. do anything. Um, So just find a lot of inactive things to do. Like, I like to read. If I was better at meditation, I would definitely consider it. It's a hard thing. That is, She's looking at me because that is my New Year's resolution. I've been doing it twice a day. You're doing great so far. I mean, it's January 6th. Yeah. <laughs> but Headspace does have a 365-day program if you are interested. My guy Andy is pulling me through <laughs> six days. But even just being... Um, in a warmer climate or a different climate, you can just sit outside. Because mm-hmm. that's definitely just something I don't really do in Boston just because it's, it's really busy. And it is it is kind of green. I mean, it's greener than New York, but it's still a city. Mm-hmm. But being able to, like, have a backyard and have a patio and just, like, absorb some sun and, like, see a new trail is nice. But I think this year is a little weird because we're in a pandemic. So we don't get to, like, explore the local coffee scene or, like, explore the trails, like, how we normally would Mm -hmm. so I like we're still figuring out ourselves yeah I think one of the things that when you're not a professional and you're looking to the professional scene Mm -hmm. for me personally was I always remember seeing these pictures of pros drinking coffee in little coffee shops in Europe and I remember thinking like wow that just looks like the most quaint (laughs) adorable thing like they're so European and classy and I didn't even think that like that is just that relaxation time of the day like that's just what you want to do and adding taking the coffee shop away from the runners like having the safe space of that it's it's kind of funny like quite honestly like do you really I didn't really personally think that the coffee shop like meant so much to me and it's really just that communal space that we could get out of 
our small Airbnb that we don't live in right. and feel like, I don't know, this is so corny, but like you feel like home. Yeah. No, it's nice. And like when we go to a coffee shop on a training trip, that's our activity for the day. Like that is it. There is mm-hmm. so much excitement and energy put into just that like short drive to go get a little coffee and just sit there and enjoy it for like an hour or two and then drive home. But that's like our one thing for the day. So it's mm-hmm. something to look forward to. And now it's like, you just don't really get that. It'll come back. It'll come back. Oh, yeah. So to transition a little bit, you have your first year out of college. You had a banger of a year. You got second at the U.S. 5K champs. You won the U.S. 15K championship on the road at Gate River. How have you been able to compound your success, success since graduating from NC State? We were having a discussion at dinner last night, which sparked this thought in my mind was, you know, not being those people who didn't win NCAA titles, who weren't like, were very, very talented and very good, Mm -hmm. but having that drive to get to the next level and, you know, winning U.S. titles Mm -hmm. is the next level. So how have you been able to kind of springboard, it's a two-part question, springboard from college and then stay consistent in your pro life um I think a huge part of it it for me is curiosity like some people have this like fire and this drive because they've had this Olympic dream or they've seen those medals and wanted this title since they were like a kid Mm -hmm. and for me that was never really a thing I just never grew up thinking I would be a runner or even when I started running in high school I never thought I want to keep doing this So it turned into more of a curiosity thing, like how far can I push myself? How good can I really be? And like the older I got and the more success I had, it just kind of like unleashed this whole wide universe of like possibility. And it's like, who knows where the ceiling is? But it's like from such a place of like just genuine curiosity, like I don't know what I'm capable of Mm -hmm. because every year I've just done a little bit more. And I think that's been huge for staying consistent is like in college, I, I don't want to talk about like high school, it was like 25 miles a week. But in college, I ran like 50 to 55 miles a week tops. And then my first year out of college, um, Rick was our coach, Ricardo Santos. Um, and he knew that. He knew I'd only run 50 miles a week in college. So we capped it at 60, 65. And up the workouts a little bit. I had some pretty good success. You could see I was upward trending and like everything was great, but we just stayed there for a while because it takes time. And like the last thing I wanted to do was like get hurt while I'm transitioning to this new thing. And I like, like I said, no idea how far this is going to go. Had some success, built some confidence and then just like naturally progress. So then the next year, okay, now our base is like 70 ish. And I think just, continuing to build on like what I've already done and like hanging on to the confidence of where I've been and staying curious about where I can go has really taken me to where I am today. That's so cool just to hear from someone I train with every single day, like how they kind of, (laughs) you know, you you don't think about how your teammates think about their training. Like you don't, you know, you're, you're living it together, but you're not really like stepping outside and be like, how are you conceptualizing it? Uh, to that extent, though, you are one of the most consistent workout people I've ever met. Like, Erica, <laughs> and I'm telling you guys, Erica rarely has 
a bad day. And if it's a bad day, she'll let you know before the workout <laughs> even starts. It's not like the workouts don't fall apart with you. Like you're not, you're rarely in a workout and then it goes south. So like when you've committed to doing the workout that day, like, you know, not being, I don't know, a day that you're off or have stuff going on outside of running. Yeah. Like you're very consistent. Like how do you do that? I guess is the question, you know, like you're, uh, yeah. yeah, one of the most consistent people I've ever met in like working out. I think it's because I definitely put a lot of mental energy into those days, like regardless of how I'm feeling physically, if there's any day of the week I am being intentional with every single thing I'm doing, it's workout day. I wake up, it's on the schedule. I usually don't read it until the day of or like maybe I'll glance at it the day before, but all I know is that Tuesday and Friday, I'm going to do something hard. I know it's going to be challenging. I know it's going to be uncomfortable. But I also know that it's what's going to get me to where I want to be. Like, these are the workouts and these are the days where it's going to get really hard. And that's what the races are going to feel like. If I have Olympic dreams, I know that there are going to be days and the races that are going to get me to those dreams are going to be very, very difficult. So I think on those days, I just don't give myself an out, which is something like I, I think everyone does sometimes. And like I definitely did in high school. I definitely did early on in college and got a lot better about it. But when workouts get really hard, it's so easy to give yourself an out and come up with a reason on why it's not going well or why you feel so tired or why your legs are so heavy. But then you just have to remember that, like, your legs are going to be heavy. When you have that big PR or when you're about to win that title, you're going to feel terrible. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done because it's a place you've never been. So I think just, like, having that mentality going into those tough workout days, it just doesn't give me the option to, like, take it easy or take a step back or not at least give my all to get to that goal. Because I trust my coaches, and I trust that if I do what they're telling me to do, I will get to where we both want us to be. How do you develop that level of trust with a coach? You've had you've had Coach Lori Hennis mm -hmm. in at college, NC State, and then Ricardo for about a year and a half mm -hmm. at the BA, and then another coaching change. So that's a fair amount of coaching switching in the last three years. But how do you gain that level of trust with the new coach? Uh, I think with a new coach, you kind of just have to make a decision. Like when you're deciding on a college and for me deciding post-collegiately, you just have to find someone that you believe in and someone that you trust. Like I know trust is earned and given and like all those things and it goes both ways. But at the same time, I think it's very special in that from the beginning, you just need to let go. I've always believed that my coach probably knows more than I do. I do not want the extra mental tax of writing my own training plans. I don't like to go through my training plan line by line because I do just give my coaches this trust. And by giving them that trust and following their plan and then seeing positive results, it kind of just reinforces itself. But I think what really helps me is just keeping in mind how long it can take to see results because it can take months, if not years, to see results. And I know as long as I'm running, no matter what kind of running I'm doing, 
as I get older, I'm probably going to get better regardless. So just giving new coaches the space and allowing them to like do their job because I think it's really easy to get a new coach and then a month or two in be like, I don't know if it's working out, but that's not how running works. It -hmm. takes so much longer than four to six weeks to really, really see those like long-term payoffs. So I think you just kind of have to trust that you know if it's like healthy for you and if you're healthy and you just give them the space to work, I think it'll be like a positive reinforcement like cycle. What is one of the things in the running world that you would like to see changed? Oh, I gave you no, (laughs) I gave her no alert to free what these questions are. Oh boy. Like one thing that irks you, one thing that you see down the line that you want changed. Kind of like when you're in your Erica world and you see your place in the running community in five years, you hope this is different. Oh boy. I mean, I love running and I think it's a beautiful sport. I love going to road races and seeing so many thousands of people get out there and get after it. I think I would like to see, in general, a wider recognition and like acceptance that there are an infinite number of ways to be good. Like one of the things that I see that like irks me the most is like when I see people and fans and like just all of these different people who are part of the same community just like asking for very specific tips and tricks and like how do I get fast how do I do this how do I do that and just like I wish everyone would recognize and understand that every body is unique every backstory is unique everyone's personal life and circumstances is unique not everyone has the same support systems or coaches or feet I mean, like, the same pair of shoes doesn't work for everyone. And I totally understand that there are, like, absolute basics that do apply to everyone. Like, there are certain drills that can help anybody do anything. There are certain foods that are, like, known to be, like, good on a tough stomach if you have, like, a queasy tummy. But at the end of the day, I just wish that there was more of a wider acknowledgement Mm-hmm. That there's a million ways to get to the starting line and not everyone needs to be running the same amount of miles or doing the same type of workouts and just everyone was a little more confident in like what they're doing specifically and they didn't feel this not like almost like a disappointment when they see other people's workouts or other people's food and like that's the kind of stuff that makes me sad mm-hmm. and like that's not so much for like the professional community because obviously they have their own teams and their own ways of doing things, but more so for like my non-running friends and like non-runners that I've like, or non-professional runners that I've like spoken to, there's like this discouragement and this disappointment that they're not doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And for me, if you put on your shoes and get out the door, I don't care what, you know what I mean? Like if you get out the door and do literally anything, like I am proud of you. And that's a great start. Like you do not need to be on the perfect diet and like run with this perfect plan. You just need to start somewhere and like that's good enough. Mm-hmm. And I just wish there was more of that energy instead of this like this is the way to do things or you're not like a real runner. You're not a serious runner and like it's not my vibe. 
Yeah, that reminds me of a quote that's, I think I have a screenshot on my phone. It says, there's room for us all at the finish line. Yeah. It's like, you're going to make it. doesn't matter how fast or slow you run, but like, you're going to get there. And I think we, we talk about this a lot on runs is about kind of misplaced expertise. Mm-hmm. And people will come to me and ask, I'm sure you as well, like in the DMs, asking questions about training. And it's very easy to give a suggestion of something to do. Mm-hmm. But like you said, if you don't know the whole story, right? it's not appropriate sometimes to give that advice. You right. know, So I always try to direct two experts, two registered dietitians, two physical therapists, you know, like people have gone through the school. But it is really tempting to give that advice. Yeah, especially when you have like a personal experience that's like directly relative to it. Like if someone asked me, oh, well, like I ran 50 miles a week in college as well, or like I had the exact same injury as you. And it's like, yes, like, and we can talk about our shared experience and we can talk about how we felt going through those things at the same time. Like, that's totally cool, but I am not a medical professional. Mm-hmm. So, like, there is a point where I don't feel comfortable giving you medical advice. I'm just not qualified for that. But on an emotional level, like, here for you. Yeah, and I think there is a difference of here's what I do. I want to share it. Yeah. And I think that's appropriate, you know, like, to get that insight into what you're doing. You know, I, yeah. I want to see it. I'm interested in what Erica's training is like. I'm interested in the cool drill she can do. But should I try it myself? Right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But, yeah, I think that in sharing in social media, that is kind of a big issue of that there's so much misinformation out there. And, yeah, you know, it can, it can really get you down. And I think... It's no fault to anyone in particular because it is a difficult thing to do because it's it seems kind of lame and like kind of annoying to like start putting disclaimers at the beginning of all of our content being like, hey, like this is what I did today. Disclaimer, maybe don't do this or like maybe mm-hmm. modify it, maybe talk to your coach. So it's like part on like content creators, but it's also a huge part on consumers and just recognizing that like, here's an insight into what they're doing, but they're not me. Yeah. Like Morgan Usney is our assistant coach. She's a certified personal trainer, strength trainer. Mm -hmm. And we have an extensive four or five day a week plan with her. And if someone just jumped in the middle, you would get hurt, you know? And I think that's my worst case scenario is like hurting someone. Yeah. And like Morgan's entire plan is also structured based on our current running plan. So it's like if you don't have all those pieces of the puzzle and just kind of like pick and choose what to do, like they're just not built to go with every single routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the other more than running things that Erica is passionate about is food. And you are a pretty fabulous and creative chef and told us a fun fact this week that you buy most of your groceries for two you and your partner for about $40 a week, which I think is a fun fact, but also a phenomenal, you know, just exercise that I don't think I could personally do. So how do you look at the beginning of the week and make such, you guys should follow Eric on Instagram, like post food content all the time. Like how do you get creative in the kitchen with that type of budget? And it's not that you wouldn't spend more money. It's just that you don't have to, and you can make amazing food. And I just am impressed. (laughs) I think um, one of the big ones is that we do cheat a little bit by buying um, 
from one of those like recycled produce companies because things are discounted. Oh, the ugly produce. Yeah. So we use Imperfect Foods, which basically gives, it's similar to Misfits. They give you like a major discount on a lot of produce just because it doesn't meet market aesthetic standards, Mm -hmm. which are kind of ridiculous. Yeah. They're very silly. Like if you go into your grocery store, everything is a clone, which is creepy. Yeah. So all the things that don't make the cut and aren't pretty enough get discounted. Um, So that definitely helps a lot. But also, like I was telling our new teammate, Anna, the other day, because she was asking literally, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. At the beginning of the week, I just make a very short list of things that I want to eat that week, but I don't do meal concepts. Like I don't think, oh, well... I want to make lasagna on Tuesday and a soup on Wednesday and like this on whatever day. I just go into the week thinking, okay, here is five to six vegetables I want to eat throughout the week. Here are the like four to five fruits I want to have for snacks. And like we'll do like these three or four proteins for the week. And it's a very short list. It's very concise. And we just go for it. And then from there – I actually enjoy cooking. I know for some people it can be stressful and like overwhelming, but it's definitely one of my like zen states. So it's more of a challenge because I like give myself this like small group of things to choose from and I try to like do new things every week so I don't get bored, but it's a nice like creative challenge Mm. where it's like I know what goes into a meal, protein, carb, vegetable. Like you know the three pieces and you just have to like figure out how to put them together. And honestly, sometimes they don't go together. Mm -hmm. Like maybe I really wanted broccoli, but I also wanted tempeh and I also wanted like pasta. And I could not figure out how to put them together, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to eat them at the same time. Mm -hmm. Or on the reverse side, when it's actually like a positive, maybe I like actually had like soy sauce on hand and like I turned them into a stir fry and like everything was fine. But I think just starting with the basics really helped us cut down on costs because you know the three components of a normal meal. And if you just pick things to fill those slots, everything else just kind of comes into place. What would an ideal day of eating, so no budget, no limitations, restraints, you can pick whatever you want, all three meals, what does that look like for you? Definitely starting the day with a, am I running on this day? No. Okay. (laughs) I mean, if that impacts what you're going to eat, then no. It's an off day. Okay, sweet. So I would definitely start the day. If unlimited budget, I am starting the day with a cup of that, like, elephant poop coffee. What? What is that? It's, like, the most expensive coffee in the world. Sounds gross. So the elephant... I'm pretty sure it's... Yeah, it's elephants. They eat, like, the coffee cherries... Okay. And then something about them going through the digestive cycle of an elephant and then being pooped out makes them the most delicious and expensive beans on the planet. I'm going to trust you on that one. It's so expensive. I don't know if I will ever have it. Sure. Unlimited money, I'm starting my day with elephant poop coffee. Cup of gold. (laughs) Cup of gold. And a butter croissant. Okay. Because they're literally my favorite thing. So good. It's just butter. Mm hmm. So. Definitely start the day there, and then maybe, like, a fruit so I don't feel really bad. <laughs> yeah, okay. And then moving on to lunch, I would say hmm, it's the middle of the day, so I don't want to feel too heavy. Probably, like, hmm, I really like marinated things, like cold marinated things. Okay. 
Um, so maybe like a bowl of like gazpacho, like a watermelon gazpacho Ooh. topped with a little bit of feta. All right. It's a summer day now. It's a, it, This went summer very quickly. Yes, summer day. <laughs> summer day. Yeah, I'm thinking like sitting on a patio, a nice bowl of like watermelon gazpacho, like fresh piece of toasted bread, Ooh, yeah. and just like a really nice like grain bowl or something. Uh-huh. Nice and light, like feel great for the rest of the day. And then dinner... Definitely, like, a very expensive bottle of red wine. What kind of red wine? Hmm. That's a good one. I would say probably Bordeaux. Like, a very Wow, I thought Bordeaux. you were going to go Spanish. This is Me this too. Is new. Yeah. Bordeaux, okay. Yeah. Now we're in a Paris summer day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is just all over the world right now. Um, it's your day. And then, I mean, you really just can't be, like, a good plate of spaghetti and meatballs mm-hmm. like a really good glass of wine and just like a hearty plate of spaghetti and meatballs like I don't think you would be sad going to bed that sounds like a great day of eating yeah now I'm like super sad <laughs> so hey. much money to make this happen you know one day when Erica wins her next big prize money when that comes back I'm saving it for that elephant coffee the elephant coffee is <laughs> on its way all right so our last question for you is kind of a tough one too but what is something you think people assume about you that is not true? Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. I, you know, I think I've been very interested in social media and kind of these preconceived notions. And every single time I make an assumption about someone online and then I meet them, I just kick myself because I'm like, it's not what it was at all. Hmm. It doesn't have to be social media related either. Yeah. Can I cheat and get your first impression of me when you oh, join the team? okay. Yeah. So Erica and I raced against each other just kind of at the regional level. So bigger meets. Um, yeah. I think I felt very comfortable around you just because we were around a similar age. Mm-hmm. But the like being good at every workout was like super intimidating just because I was like, this girl has no chinks in the armor. You know, it's like being so tough. Mm -hmm. And I think that one thing that I think people assume about you, but I don't find to be true, is that like you're, you have emotions, but you hold them tight. (laughs) You know, like you're not someone who's constantly like sharing how you're feeling, Mm -hmm. but if like it's something that's important to you, you will. So I feel like it took me a while and hopefully I have earned your trust (laughs) but it's been like a very joyful experience like becoming your friend and earning that trust and support in that way but I think a lot of people are way more like open and like I'm here and arrived and less like a little um to themselves and I think when you have that to yourself people make those assumptions of like oh what are they thinking yeah but one of the things I've learned recently I mean in the past couple years about most people is you should never assume what someone's thinking because yeah. you don't know. <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah. And that's – I used to try to do that as a I, – I would like to think I have a decent amount of emotional intelligence. But I was wrong in thinking that that meant trying to figure out what people are thinking because you're never going to be able to do that. We're not mind readers. Yeah. So that's kind of a long, windy way of saying <laughs> that there is so much more than meets the eye and you're a great teammate. Thanks. I think that goes kind of hand in hand with a conversation I had with my partner recently. We've been together just over three years and we had this conversation like a couple weeks ago 
and I was telling him how I am my worst critic. I am my biggest enemy. Like, if he could hear the things that I say to myself, he would be shocked to mm. the core. And he was so taken aback by that. He was like, what do you mean? Like, you're so confident. You're so calm, collected all the time. Like, I know you have bad days, but, like, just absolutely blown away that, like, at the thought of me having, like, any sort of negative self-talk. And I was like, where do you think the confidence comes from? <laughs> You're like, I gotta check myself first. Like, I am my best friend, but I'm also, like, my worst enemy. I say horrible things to myself because, like, my personal standards and my personal goals are so astronomically high. You're never gonna meet them. Mm -hmm. But a lot of, like, at least my, like, confidence and my, like, like zen space comes from making peace with the fact that like you're just not going to be perfect and like it's okay to have really high goals but like you're probably not going to get them and like that's okay that doesn't mean you should set the bar any lower you just have to like be at peace with not getting there but I think that's something that probably doesn't come across mm -hmm. when I meet people for the first time or when I like just like aren't really around them very much or don't talk to them very much is they're just like assume oh she's just like confident like chill like it's all good and it's like there is a war going on let's also keep in mind you are five two yes with you know the whole lot of spunk <laughs> that goes along with that i feel five ten <laughs> you're like the dogs yes. the small dogs that think they're huge oh yeah well this has been just the most fun and you know what we might do a round two edition at altitude coffee chat with erica <laughs> so thank you for coming on more than running here's to more cappuccinos in the future thanks for having me that does it for another episode of more than running with dana this episode was produced by chris chavez you can contact me with any feedback suggestions for guests or just to connect and say hi at dana underscore gio on instagram at dana geo I love hearing from listeners and receive some great guidance on guests and what you want to get out of the show in the future. If you like the show, it's always greatly appreciated if you leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps some new people discover the show if it ends up on the top charts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time with another story about how she is more than running. I only want a few close friends The rest just pretend I turn to people kissing in the stairwell I want this day to end Text my mama so I don't lose hope I didn't learn anything I didn't know Always yelling, get off your phone Screw that, I'm going home Did you hear that end? Nah, I'ma take a zero Just call me